Professors FM. Analytics with Mike Lewis, the podcast where we talk about everything you need to know about sports analytics. Here's your host, Mike Lewis, marketing professor at Emory University. Okay, welcome everyone. This is Mike Lewis, joined today with my good friend, economist Tom Smith. Usually you say, uh, this is my favorite economist or my favorite sports economist, but I think I'm the only sports economist you know. So, but I'm, I'm happy to be your favorite. I know many sports economists. <laughs> oh, but I'm not your favorite anymore? <laughs> no, I, I, Tom is absolutely my favorite. He's also conveniently local, let's say. Oh, thank you. Thank okay, you. so yeah. today's topic, let me just start with something and you can react to it. College sports is something that I have mixed feelings about. Okay. And, and I, I don't know how, much, how big of a college sports guy you are. Um, I will say on a personal level, college sports is really the heart of my fandom. So... If I am identifying with a single team, it is the, well, the University of Illinois teams, football and basketball, probably mostly basketball. So that is where I am most connected. And I think I think that connection comes from, well, and, and this gets into a little bit off topic, but I think that connection comes from the fact that I'm actually affiliated with that. So even though we both grew up in Chicago, you know, I never played for the Bears. I never worked for the Bears. But I am University of Illinois. Yeah. Okay. Now, when I say I have mixed feelings about it, though, if I think too much about college sports, almost makes me cringe a little bit. Okay. You know, the level of, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to bias anyone in terms of where we're going to go with today's conversation, but the level of corruption and recruiting and sort of the uh, uneven playing field in some respects in, in terms of the college game gives me pause when I think about the... <laughs> I don't know how pure it is to be a fan of the college game. So, I think that's yeah. So, what's your? T- I mean, so you're predominantly a, a pro guy or a college a, guy? Yeah. So I'm I'm predominantly a pro guy. Um, so I mean, I went to a much smaller school for my undergrad, and so but I was very into their basketball team. And so, where'd you go? I went to Illinois Wesleyan. Okay. So ja- house that uh, Sigma built. How the house Jack built? Right. Jack Sigma's, you know. Alamada. And so um, there was a really strong following for the basketball team because we were always very competitive. In what was the mascot three. team name? Illinois Wesleyan. Um, <laughs> Ouch. Something. So no. <laughs> okay. I forget. I forget. It's like a, it's kind of it's kind of a Roman something or other. Like a. Oh man, my high school mascot was the the Trojans, like you know, holding a sword and okay. everything else like this. So I. Uh, oh my God. I. It may be the same thing, maybe the same mascot. Maybe that's why my brain is, isn't working. So your mascot is an Illini. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, that's, uh, again, a very different topic, but it probably does go to some of my mixed feelings about the college game. Oh, as uh, right. you know, as an Illini fan, the you know the chief Illini wick was something that was retired probably, I think, a little more than a decade now. So it's college sports seems to attract, I don't know, let's, let's say controversy, right? There always sure. seems to be issues and problems and people being upset to go along with the genuine joy and enthusiasm for the games. Right. I mean, the enthusiasm, I guess, comes from cheering on your alma mater or cheering on um, maybe it, it, what you wish was your alma mater, right? And so, it's, I mean, I have a lot of neighbors who are Alabama football fans, and they okay. didn't go to Alabama. It's just They just like the idea of rooting on Alabama, I suppose. Oh, absolutely. Right? Or same thing with UGA, right? 
Oh, I, I tend to think it's almost maybe the best example of that, and I think this has faded in recent years, but remember um, the number of, let's say, Miami starter jackets a couple of decades ago or a decade ago? Yeah, right? You know, I mean, and, they, they wrote songs about the U, right? Right, and, mean, and I don't know too many folks that actually ever went to Miami, but a lot of fans, obviously. Yeah. At least clearly. temporarily, perhaps. Yes, yeah, right. And same thing, I mean, in Chicago, where we grew up, um, that was also especially a big deal about Notre Dame, right? So mm-hmm. it's, yeah. um, and my folks are from... Well, um, my dad's from from the Ohio, Pennsylvania area, and I think, all of, everybody was always about Notre Dame football. Yeah, you know, especially the Catholic Irish. Yeah, I'll give that to that because that was almost the sort of the beauty of that Notre Dame brand, right? right? If you were living on the south side of Chicago and you were Irish or Catholic, and especially if you were both, that was that was the home team. <laughs> that was the home team. That's right. That's right. Okay, so to today's topic, one of the permanent controversies: college football and college basketball, for the most part. Mm-hmm is whether or not players should be compensated. That's right. And I can think of this going, this has been a topic of controversy forever. Yeah, 30 years. I mean, I can remember conversations when I was in high school, people talking about this. And so when we talk, it's been one of those subjects that makes people um, cringe as well. Mm -hmm. Like, well, but it's supposed to be, um, you know, for love of the game, right? The ultimate amateur athlete, if you will, you know, you're doing this because you love football and, and you get an ancillary benefit of getting a scholarship maybe, but you're doing this for the love of the game. It's supposed to be much more pure, which I, I know, which is an argument for why a lot of people like to watch the college game because it isn't, doesn't have the same kind of connotations that professional sports does where people are playing for, you know, millions of dollars. Well, I mean, I, you mentioned there's controversy that goes back 30 years. I suspect it's longer than that. Yeah, I suspect it's right. 50, 60 you know, maybe it's more like, you know, 80 or 100 years. I mean, who knows? Maybe this has always been going on. But I, th- I think in my perception is that the tone of the conversation has changed over the decades. Okay. Whereas if you went back to 1980, there would be a much stronger sort of stake in the ground with a lot of folks saying, no, you get the scholarship. That's how you're compensated. Yeah, I think you're right. Now I think the mood, for whatever reason, you know, we can debate whatever the reasons are, it has really shifted towards relatively few people sort of, you know, sort of staking their claim that that scholarship is adequate compensation. Yes. And and it would it would certainly depend on the sport, right? And so at Duke, like a Duke football player, I'm sure a lot of people would say, "Oh, whatever, they're getting a scholarship, it's not a big deal." But a Duke basketball player, you say, "Oh, this person, I mean, look at how much money they're bringing to the school," right? And so at other schools, maybe Illini, it's it's a little bit more even in terms of you know, basketball and football are both, you know, um, are, are both have a very strong following. But it's how many people... Well, how many I people mean, let's, like, let's, let's be realistic. The, you know, I think the Illini are putting 30,000 folks in the stadium this season, for example. Okay, so it's, I mean, it's not that... Maybe there's not a huge demand this year. But I was well, thinking about... So you've got Duke, which is more basketball-centric, and then Alabama, which is more football-centric. Mm-hmm. And they both field both teams. But nobody is sitting around saying, oh, all those Alabama basketball players should be compensated with you know a, an extra check. But they might be thinking about this about Alabama football players, and then vice versa. Duke, it's... Oh yeah, the basketball players should be paid, but oh, they have a football team too. Oh, okay, I, so it's. I mean, I think it go, doesn't. It's not consistent across sports, well, across across schools. I mean, when you said across sports, I for whatever reason I thought you were going to start talking about. I mean, there's another element to this, right? On ESPN and you know, Good Morning America and lots of lots of broadcasts. Maybe the last five months 
they've shown um, the this floor exercise of this gymnast from was she I want to say UCLA. And so she kept on getting these perfect tens. Sorry, I just shrugged my shoulders. But <laughs> but, but okay, so um, so it's terrible that I don't know the name of this of this athlete, but she's an outstanding gymnast, and she's been getting perfect tens, and she just she won the NCAA tournament for her. Like, should she be paid because mm-hmm. she's bringing a lot of attention to the school, like positive attention to the school, right? Okay, well, but in that and it's but that's a clearly a non revenue generating sport because you know women's gymnastics isn't selling millions of dollars worth of television rights okay. and well, what have you. Let me, let me pull this back for okay, a second. Okay, fine. so what we want to talk about specifically today is the California legislation. That's right. And I think this was signed, it was either very late September or very early October. So we're, we're taping this on October 23rd, I believe. Yep. So, you know, if something dramatically happens and, you know, before we, before we air this, that'll be the reason why we're not talking about it. This came down about three weeks ago. The sort of the key aspects of the California legislation are, well, number one, athletes will be able to strike their own endorsement deals. Number two, hire agents. Mm-hmm. And, well, number three, this will start in 2023. Yeah, I was going to say 2023. Is what right, so they built in some lag time on this one. Right, right. There are some sort of problems on its face when you look at, let's say, the league in general. Right, mm-hmm. and some of the collective bargaining agreements that are put in place for the leagues. Let me read something to you, please, from the um, a, qu- a quote from the governor. Yes, get your reaction to this. Okay. All right. So this is uh, Governor Newsom of California, in, his, in terms of his explanation of the legislation or the the rationale for it. Mm-hmm. Every single student in the university can market their name, image, and likeness. They can go and get a YouTube channel, and they can monetize that. Newsom said, the only group that can't are athletes. Why is that? And we, and we can sort of spread out and maybe in a, in a future episode. But, you know, f- the, the California legislation is dealing with something a little bit more specific, right? right. A little bit more narrow in terms of, I, I guess the idea would be you as a student athlete, you own your likeness, you can do with it what you will. What do you think of this as a starting point? As a And, and there's a lot of discussion out there that this is California almost making a effort to bring this issue up, this larger issue of paying the players. But sure. as a starting point, this idea of should athletes be able to market their own image? So it's kind of interesting that you said starting point because the law sort of jumps over what I would think would be sort of natural starting points and goes right to the end of the string. I mean, having student athletes being able to hire agents and get individual endorsement deals, mm-hmm. sort of that flies in the face of... Can I hire an agent when I'm a junior in high school, I guess, now? Um, I mean, I, 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 don't, yeah. I don't know if this has been brought up because I would think that part of the issue that may not have been thought through on this is, well, when can they hire an agent? Can they hire an agent to negotiate the deal with the university that they signed the letter of intent with? Well, I guess my guess would be if you are a high school athlete in California and you're about to join a college program in California and the college program in California allows you to hire an agent, then hire an agent before you become a college athlete, why wouldn't that be allowed? So, I mean, it's like then you would hire the agent to get the deal with which college is going to play me, which college is going to play your final high school football game in November immediately sign with an agent, and that agent starts negotiating with UCLA, USC, Stanford, et cetera? Yeah, right. That's where that's going to lead. Or in other 
if you're determined that you're going to go play for California, you can be anywhere and hire your agent, right? Yeah, I mean, and again, I don't know that that part's been thought out. But to this issue of, and, and you, you can address this however you want. Yeah. Should a athlete have the ability to market their image while they're playing for, let's say, Cal or Stanford? Are there going to be sort of any rules or constraints placed on that? Well, I mean, the way the, way the legislation is set right now, at least 2023, right? It, it doesn't mm-hmm. say that there's rules that are set up in terms of this. Okay. I mean, think about think about all the things that could go sideways in this deal. Well, one, that's, one thing that's being left out, and I assume that this would not be allowed, is can they wear the jersey of the school in, in anything they're marketing? I would guess no. Yeah, right? because they don't own that, right? Right. And so what you should remember, and, and people who are listening to this casually, think about this. When you see an athlete doing a commercial for, let's say, some restaurant or a cell phone company or something like this. unless Or, or even a national ad, right? A national ad. If you look closely. Unless, that, unless it's an ad through the league, the athlete might be wearing an orange jersey, but it doesn't have the insignia. Or LeBron is wearing a yellow tank top, but it doesn't say Lakers. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have the purple on it. So it's like, oh, this is what I might be wearing if I was in a Lakers jersey, but it's not exactly a Lakers jersey. You'll, If you're paying attention, you will see this unless it's somebody who has a specific relationship with the NBA right. and with the Lakers. And a, yeah, so, a specific deal that ties the Lakers get a cut and LeBron gets a cut. Exactly. So right now, the athletes aren't allowed to take the image of the team because the team owns those images and the leagues own those images right. for the team. So for, let's say, Duke or UCLA, well, it wouldn't be Duke, but I mean for UCLA, so do you get to wear a UCLA jersey? No. No. I mean, because they, they, they own that you don't get okay. to own that. But if you would you could you wear a purple e ish jersey with your number on it? They don't own the number. Like anybody can put the number on a jersey, right? Okay. So you So so this raises the the next sort of associated point. How many athletes do you think this will affect? How many athletes do you think will have the ability to actually monetize their images without associating with the team they're playing for? without directly associating with this, mm-hmm. mm, I would guess there would be 100 athletes who would think that they could do this, and there'll probably be a dozen that could do it. You and think then, a dozen in California? It, yeah, because it's sort of, so you think about... If um, I pushed you and I said, can you give me a dozen college football players that have the brand appeal to do endorsement deals let's say beyond the local level, could you come up with a dozen guys right now? I can't, but I'm going to throw something out there. If this law stands, will you get a reallocation of players who instead of going to Alabama because they couldn't they can't capitalize on their own likeness would end up in Stanford or at UCLA? You might. That was actually my next question to you, will this change recruiting? And it, I think it would it might change which athletes are willing to go to which schools because they might say, well, okay, I'm going to get, I'm going to, yeah, which, so then that's recruiting, right? You're at, remember, these guys are allowed to hire agents. Yeah. So where does the agent want to send the kid? Of course, the agent's going to, well, someplace where they can start cashing checks? Yeah, of course. Right. And that, that's only California, then it's, then it'll be only California. What will happen is that if this law stands and it's, there's a second part of this, and I mentioned so, the collective bargaining agreement a couple times, right. and so we'll get back to that. Well, I don't. I mean, don't want to is there a that. collective bargaining agreement? In I mean, there are always going to be rules of the game, but 
Is that terminology correct in the college setting? Well, what I was referring to here is that currently eligibility for the draft Hmm. is determined by whether or not you've hired an agent. So you can't hire an agent and then get eligibility for the NFL draft. So with this law, the NFL would have to be willing to negotiate around this law, which then you'd get lawsuits from other students who said, so it's, this is yeah. The lawsuits are just going to start. The lawsuits are going to flowing. start piling up. So yeah. if the NFL is not willing, if the NFL says if you've hired an agent, then you're then you're ineligible for the draft. Then you'll only get second tier mm-hmm. players who are like maybe I can get a new car or maybe I can get you know ten thousand dollars for well, going to some uh, look, department store. Here, and here, here's where I, I kind of question it, like how widespread this would be, and okay. you know I think back to. Uh, who was the kid? Uh, Johnny Manziel, right? Sure. Where he... <laughs> Still is a kid, right? Well, to you and me. <laughs> where he kind of got busted right for doing some autograph signing. Yeah, right. And it seemed like those autograph opportunities actually only occurred after he had won a Heisman Trophy. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So for the most part... So, I mean, so how narrow will this market will this market be? I mean, you know, and I can think of like... So let's say last year... Who at the high school level was sort of a guaranteed marketable star? Maybe it was just Zion Williams, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. In terms of, and so, I mean, and this two points come to mind, right? So number one, he was probably sure he could hire an agent out of high school, right? Because he knew it was a one and done. He might have been in a position to actually make real money by going to an LA school instead of Duke. Right. So think yeah. about think about this. Right. It's it's we only think about like there's a demand or there's some kind of um, an opportunity for athletes that we see on a very large basis. Yeah. Let me tell you the story. A couple of years ago, I was staying at I was I think it was like the Ritz or something like this in Pasadena, mm-hmm. a conference. Somebody flew me out there for a conference. The USC football team was staying at this hotel and they were playing the next day. Okay. And so all of these football players were walking around. Well, there were a bunch of people who were going to attend the game who were also at the hotel. And so they were searching out players to get autographs, and they were searching out players to get pictures and what have you. And, like, I didn't know any of the players, but the people who were who were big fans, they knew who the players were. And so at one point we got off of an elevator with this guy, and this woman came up to us, you know, me and my colleague, and said, oh, my God, you know, have, you know who you were riding in the elevator with? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. This is my, my friend Jim, you know? And they're like, no, I mean, that's the star of the team. We're like, oh, okay, you know, we just thought I was a kid. Yeah. In Pasadena, would there maybe be like a car? Uh, okay, well, let there, me. There was a good, let me, a kid $10,000 to come and do autographs, let right? Me, uh, or, you know, some department store or something like yeah. this, right? Or a, a sports store okay. that says like, oh, here's 25 grand, you know, come and show so, up here and get people out the door. Let me respond to that. Yeah. You know, sort of w- respond to that with a question. How many players on the Atlanta Falcons have enough brand equity, powerful enough images to actually get those deals even at a local level? No, four. Okay. So four playing in the NFL. Okay. So uh, again, it's like, a, you know, we're going to get, we're going to get emails from like these well, other two guys who are like, Hey, no, wait a minute. I mean, you know, but, but let's say it's, yeah. let's say it's 10, right? right? I mean, you know, having, you know, star power is actually a pretty rare thing. I mean, you can right. be a world-class athlete and not have star power. And I, I think, you know, and I'll sort of put on a marketing professor hat for a second. It's because, you know, stardom is as much about, let's say, 
sort of how a community relates to athletes. So it's like we can agree on who a star is and we talk about that individual, right? right? Rather than sort of just looking at the, the broad levels of talent out there. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, and, and as you're talking about it, the thing that occurs to me is, again, another potential aspect for corruption. Because let's say I'm a, let's say I'm a USC booster, well, then maybe part of the appeal of you coming to play for the Trojans is I'm going to give you an endorsement deal. Right. I couldn't care less if you help my restaurant bring in another customer, help my tire shop bring in another, you know, sell another set of white walls. Right. I'm giving you ten grand to put your face on this because I want you playing wide receiver or quarterback for my Trojans. Right. 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 Okay. So that I mean that creates a whole different level of sort of let's call it graft, right? But doesn't so, it have to go there? It, I mean, it does. That's the natural progression. You you own a car to dealership. You hear about some hotshot athlete in it's like the, the it's like the made up jobs, right? Yeah. The made up summer jobs, but now they're real. Now right? they're real summer jobs. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Mow my lawn and take yeah. a picture. Take with a my, picture. <laughs> take a picture. We'll put it on the wall, and here's ten grand. Right. Well, and, here's just ten grand for your autograph. Exactly. I, I don't know what you do. Oh, with that's it, right. right. It doesn't matter because right. they're just selling their image, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't actually have to have. I mean, that's the endorsement deal. Yeah. You sign this piece of paper, I'll give you $10,000. Put your uh, YouTube channel up there, and my company now sponsors you as an influencer, right? I mean, there's the cat's out of the bag, I think. Right, right. And so, and you know that, you're, you know, if, if this sways a high school athlete to go to California and play for USC or UCLA or whomever else, then... It changes the mix of talent. Then are your Georgias and your Alabamas and your Auburns going to say, okay. okay, wait a minute, we, we don't have the same. The NCAA rules say we can offer these kind of scholarships, that, we can offer these kind of like eating stipends and what have mm-hmm. you. And so we can't now, we can't compete. Okay. So now we need to be able okay. to Okay, and so this thing. brings me to my next point. Okay, so what happened? So right now we've got a little bit of a dilemma. And this is why I think California did this to go into play in 2023. Because now you've got semi-professional athletes playing for USC and Stanford, potentially, right? Mm -hmm. So are these schools eligible to compete for national championships and to go to the NCAA basketball tournament, to play in the college football playoff? Are they eligible? I think they're not eligible, right? They've got professional athletes on their team. Right. So if the NCAA rules that govern the overall tournaments, like identify that your athlete has to be an amateur athlete... Then all of a sudden, you well, they're violating the NCAA's rules. They have to be ineligible, don't they? They have to be. But I mean, <laughs> so then the NCAA has to modify its rules so that, say, you can have a mix of athletes and professionals. You can have like three professionals on your team, or you can have six professionals on your team before you become ineligible. And what does that mean? Well, right? I think it means that the California schools can't play in the tournaments at this point. Yeah. I mean, assuming nothing is negotiated or changed, right? Right. And, okay. But, but this is a big deal. I mean, for basketball, like being in the dance is part of the shtick, right? That's that's what it means. Okay. And for every other, and for and for you know, uh, football teams, it's not just so the playoffs it, and the and the championship potential, but I mean all those other bowl games. Yeah. If you're a California school, and you want to play in the NCAA tournament, you've got no ability to to regulate your players, though, do you? Oh, do you? So you got I, I, state legislation. Well, but I mean, but I mean, here's the deal: is that is that as a state? I mean, you, there's laws that say that you can work, and then right. I mean, so any of these kids can work. Right now, the way that it stands is that the NCAA says, well, if you work in this particular way, you become ineligible to play on this team. So that's the NC. I mean, they can still work. So 
doing a law like this, the NCAA wouldn't have to capitulate and decide that these teams are allowed in their tournaments. I mean, they could just say, our rules stand, so if you go through with this, then you're going to have to suffer the consequences. Okay, so then the California teams are out. Yeah. Okay, so who blinks first, right? The California teams, and maybe they don't even have an ability to blink, right, because they're under legislative structures, or the NCAA. I mean, does the NCAA sort of work for an accommodation or just move forward without the California teams? I think they've got to move forward without the California teams. Okay. So now, so now this is kind of evolving so in an USC interesting way, right? So is never going to be, have a championship again. Okay. I mean, so come to uh, the recruiting pitch is getting interesting, right? Come to USC and we'll set you up with X dollars. Right. But you'll never play in a tournament. Right. Hmm. Right. Or, but here's the other part of it, right? The NCAA might say those games become null because you're playing. So think about this, right? I mean, Reggie Bush took a little something, something on the side. Yeah. And didn't USC have to forfeit their national championship as a result of that? Probably. I mean, it, I mean, this yeah. is what I recall. It's, it was a while ago, right? No, I mean, it, so, it happens, right? I mean, right. But and, and again, you know, just you know, anything, any championship like that John Calipari has been associated with ends up being vacated, right? I mean, that's not fair, but you know what I'm getting at. No, of course, right? right? And so, the NCAA has done this. They, yeah. did this, they did this at Penn, right? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, different reasons, but I mean, clearly, the NCAA doesn't have a problem with saying, oh, by the way, those championships don't count, or these games don't count, those records don't count, we're eliminating them. And so, do they just say to other teams, oh yeah, by the way, if you play USC, since they're ineligible, you get an automatic win, whatever the actual score mm-hmm. is. Then, then everybody's like, oh, yeah, let's put the USC on my schedule because that's one more win for me. Yeah. So, so then the California schools potentially just end up being exhibition teams. Yes. They're like the, the Washington Generals, and you sign up there to make a little money and go down to the – right? It's, it's like the ideal one. the Globetrotters over and over again. Right. 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 Exactly. But, but, but the Generals win maybe more than they lose, right? Right. Right. Okay. So let me um, – Okay. Last part of this, and I'll read you a quote from uh, – from New York Times. Can I just say something? I think that there's, I I know that we've got to cut things short today. I think there's enough ammunition here for us to actually continue with the discussion because there's a couple other areas that I think I would like to pursue. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll post, post this, we'll sit down and map out episodes, future two through eight. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Well, (laughs) I mean, this is one of those topics. Like I said, it's you know, 50, 60 years of controversy. Right. This is sort of just the latest, the latest salvo in this, uh, this war. Okay, so bef- here's the quote. Before and after it became law, the California proposal drew strong support from some current and former student athletes who said that it would edge the college sports industry, however reluctantly, toward an era where when its athletes would be compensated for their talents and risks that they assume. Now, this is what I think is the key part of this, though. I mean, so there's a motivation here beyond just... Mm-hmm. beyond just the direct endorsement deals. Newsom signed the bill during an episode of a television show hosted by LeBron James, the Los Angeles Lakers star and prominent supporter of the legislation. There we go. Okay, politics of this. Yeah. And maybe you know, maybe you're not a political guy on this kind of stuff. What do you think about the politics of this? Well, I mean, it this looks an awful lot like just a a photo op with, you know, with a super crazy athlete, right? I mean, I say crazy, I mean crazy, gifted, crazy, talented, right? But also, I mean, he may have an agenda. He might want to say, you know, I wish I had these opportunities when I was in college. And so I don't I think, think he should, went to college. 
did LeBron not? No, go to... LeBron did not go to college. Oh man, was he was he drafted right out of? He was playing on ESPN in high school, and that was definitely that era of. Uh, uh, yeah, I was trying to think straight about, to like, the pros. I was trying to think there was there was a there was a time when they they went straight to the pros. I know that Kobe. Kobe yeah. went straight to the pros, and there was other guys, but I, I didn't know. Yeah. Was LeBron in the last group that went straight to the pros? Scott, I mean, LeBron's, oh, we, we forget, LeBron's been in the league for a long time now. Oh, yes. Okay, so, but maybe he's looking, he has teammates who mm-hmm. spent a year or two in college, right, and said, oh, I, you know, it's the school made millions of dollars off of my talents. Yeah. I think I would like to capture some of that. Yeah. I, I, one, of the, one of the key elements here, and... Is that regardless of the system, whether it's NCAA or the pros, is that the team and the player they have to divvy up who has which rights, and there's always going to be a lot of strife about whose rights are being violated, mm-hmm. who has more control over the likenesses, who has more con- more earnings power on a particular athlete's skills or abilities, and those things ebb and flow with a player's career. And at the beginning of the career, even in the pros, the player has very limited amount of control over their own likenesses, resources, their ability to earn, because the league mm-hmm. has taken those rights. And then it switches way over, the pendulum swings way over on the other side. And so I think to give players, let's say an athlete... Well, you know, I, I yeah. kind of want to push back on you on a little okay. bit on that, because I know that's sort of the, the common, one of the common takes on all this. Whenever there's a dispute between, uh, let's say, a player like Ezekiel Elliott or Le'Veon Bell in the league, right, that the player has a right to go out and get theirs, right? right. But those those deals are negotiated between the players right, and the teams. Yes. Okay, and so we're, we're getting a little we're, – we're, we sort of segued a little bit to the pros, but, you know, the, the point is well-founded, right, that there's rules that dictate how teams and athletes operate. Yeah. But I always think it's it's interesting, and I, I think this does come back to, let's say, the politics of this in a way, in that there seems to always be a lot of popular support for athletes, let's say, potentially violating the rules of the system to get paid without people sort of always noting that those rules were always negotiated between the, in the pros, between the owners and the players. Right. 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 I'm going to throw one more thing out there because you just made me think of it and just like leave it at that. Yeah. Okay. So what if you get the Lakers who can capitalize on some player at USC or UCLA? Now, they're not a player, so they're not constrained by the same kind of relationships that they have with a drafted player. So here's you have a college player. Can, Can the Lakers sign a deal with the college player as a representative, like, oh, you're going to sell your image. So now the Lakers have a a relationship with a college player that isn't even on their team because they want to be associated with that college player. Now you're busting between multiple levels of of rules, right? NCAA rules and just the collective bargaining agreement between the Lakers. and So you you could have like a 15th player on your roster who isn't actually ever going to play with you unless they actually get good enough, but they've already established this relationship Right. Remember when we paid you, right? Remember when we paid you when you were in in in, in college? Right. We gave you a million dollars when you were in college. Don't you want to come play for us? So whenever you get drafted, you just tell all the teams you won't go with them. Right. Well, I mean, that's yeah. a, I mean, think about how you could set that up. I mean, I'll, you, I'll, I'll say this: that I, I suspect that the pro teams are not the problem in this scenario. Well, I don't think. But I mean, the shoe companies might be. <laughs> of course they will. Right. Be. I mean. 
and you know we haven't sort of noted that but you know how much of college basketball recruiting is dictated by athletes going to a nike school versus an adidas school sure well boy this just opens up opens up the floodgates doesn't it it does i think there's too many i think there's so many floodgates that i don't think that this is i can't imagine this is actually going to make it all the way to 2023 without somebody stepping in and saying this is going to be insane we'll leave it at this i i I agree with you that this seems to be a massive game of chicken Hmm. in terms of california playing with the ncaa and all sorts of potential loose ends that could create all sorts of havoc okay okay like well as we were saying this is a big issue and so what we will do is we'll sort of uh we'll view this as a uh, part one yes and we'll um put our heads together and decide how to proceed with part two and into the future i love it thank you mike thank you tom bye now